Noble Experiment by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 16, A Free Ticket to Ball Rain. In the woods, Intolian once again had to stop for his human friend. By now, Brady had muscle cramps and was limping forward. I'm getting enough air, but I ache. This planet has a 10% higher oxygen content than your Earth. But the added gravity and the added mass to your body may be too much. Can you continue? Yeah, I have to. There's a hidden cave system in the formation ahead. Brady knew that more than his own life and pain was at stake. They moved through the dim light from the opposing suns that cast dual shadows amongst the blue fauna. It was the type of lighting that forecasted impending doom, like the twilight before the sudden gale. He followed Antobian, all the time astutely aware of just how far away he was from Earth. The massive blue trees spread over the brilliant aqua sky, reminding him of the vast difference between Burgendorf and Earth. He thought of the subtle blue skies and rolling green hills on Earth, and of its human population, and Bob Coffey. It was a mystery to him. Just what action had the colonel taken when the Mergendorf brought Brady aboard their ship? Was Lorna all right in the hospital, and did Coffey get her the pouch filled with gold? He wanted answers to these questions, and to see his friends again. But through his pain, he knew it was only a fleeting dream. I have read your thoughts, my friend, said Antobian as they stopped. Let me help your pain, he said as he braced Brady's shoulder. They began to walk, the dwarf helping the human. You will once again see the world that you cherish so much. You can count on that. Brady was about to answer him when he felt a thud and saw his friend shrivel up in pain. The dwarf's black eyes froze, and he shrieked like a frightened deer. He fell to the ground with a spear embedded in his back. Antobian! screamed Brady as a scout from the patrol was now running directly toward him and his stricken friend. He had no time to think and pulled a spear from Antobian's back. The ink blue blood dripped from the spear point and onto the ground, and his thoughts flashed back to basic training. Camp Pendleton, 1956, the Marines. The Marines of a country that was light years away. He ran toward the oncoming dwarf, something the villager did not expect, and he raised a spear as the two sticks clashed together in hand-to-hand combat. Human versus Mergendorf. He pressured the dwarf with the stick and swung his left leg around, catching him in the stomach. For an instant, the dwarf hesitated and Brady quickly assumed the stance of a baseball batter, swinging the weapon as if he were going for the fence. The blade connected with the pink skin of the dwarf's neck and blue blood spurted out over his clothes. The villager fell silently to the ground. Brady was stunned for a few moments. Although he was aware, he had just taken a life. He also knew that Antovian was dying. He turned, the bloody spear still in his hand, and went over to his friend. Antovian was face down, and his villager's clothes were stained with wet Dorfian blood. Brady bent down, not knowing exactly what to do for his friend. Antovian, he called with a forlorn hope the dwarf would somehow awaken. Antovian, he said again, but the dwarf did not stir. There was a rustling in the forest. Brady turned to his right, and in the distance he saw at least twelve dwarfs running toward him. They were not dressed, however, in the light green clothes of the village. Their clothes were similar, but of a ruddy brown color. He grasped the spear tightly. 
fearing the end of his life, and stood ready for combat. As the group approached, a taller dwarf stepped forward and threw down his weapon. "'You are Brady, the Earthman,' he said as several dwarfs rushed up to Antovian's aid. "'I am Brady,' he said, lowering the spear. "'I am Treeform, leader of the Freeholders,' he said as he looked down at the villager. "'The villager is dead. Bury his body,' he called out to the other dwarfs. "'What about Antovian?' asked Brady. "'Wound is near the spinal column,' said the dwarf, examining Antovian. Bleeding has subsided, but he is in severe shock. Carry the dwarf back to the caves, ordered Treeform. You and the other dwarfs will return to the cave when you have buried the villager's body. Let me help with Antolian, insisted Brady. No, said Treeform as he grasped Brady's wrist. You are too valuable. Your life must be safeguarded. Stay behind me. He ordered, leading the way as the dwarfs picked up Antovian and hurried behind him. When they reached the caves, they were still deep within the forest. In order to gain entry, a large boulder covering the entrance had to be pulled back by those inside. Musty fumes seeped from the torch-lit tunnels as they rushed down the slope. It wound downward for a short time, opening to a good-sized room, better lit and built into the rock formation. Brady felt more secure until he looked to his right. In front of the room, talking to some of the freeholders, was a lumbering creature close to seven feet tall, dressed in a one-piece orange suit. He had no jar or neck. This blue-skinned being with beady orange eyes and razor-sharp incisor teeth had no jar or neck. His nose resembled that of an anteater with ridges extending up his hard armor shell. The rilled blue plating of his head squared off exactly at the top of his drooping ears. What the hell is that? That, sir, is a renegade. He isn't as vicious as he looks, explained Treeform. Oh, yeah, replied Brady as the renegade spotted him. The renegade seemed to smile as he waddled over to them with a translating device in his hand. His smile, however, dropped as he saw Antovian being carried into the next room. The large creature turned back to Trefoam and spoke in a high-pitched voice, not at all conducive to his huge frame. What has happened to the dwarf? Struck by a villager's spear, sheesh, answered Trefoam. Orthin, Orthin, he cried in his native tongue, and another one of the creatures rumbled out of the adjoining room. Help him, ordered sheesh as they brought Antovian into the adjoining room. Can you help him? asked Treeform. Yes, we have methods, said Sheesh as he looked at Brady, studying him closely. This is the Earthman, Sheesh, said Treeform. I am Sheesh, he said, holding out his hand, twice the size of Brady's Dwarfian hand. I believe this is how you express a desire for friendship on Earth. I wasn't aware that... Renegans landed on my planet, said Brady as he squeezed Sheesh's warm hand. I am one of nine who have been brought through the perimeter. Dolph is a doctor and he is assigned through me. The others are around the planet. Sheesh is too modest, said Trefoam. He is the leader of all Renegans on this planet. A formidable task, said Sheesh as the rest of Trefoam's dwarfs came running into the caves. Trefoam, Trefoam! said a little round dwarf in front. Fontor, what is it? More villagers? No, he had to leave the body half buried. Well, what is it? demanded Treeform. 
the dwarf, Grok, and the others from the vessel. Grok? Asked Sheesh, his nose shriveling in anger. Which means they have found the cones on the tram, observed Treeform. I doubt Grok would report the presence of cone tunnels, said Sheesh. If he did, he would alert his superiors to his past actions. He is here for one purpose, to retrieve Brady. He would be stripped of his rank, right? asked Brady. He would be dead if they find us here, said Sheesh. I want scouts in the forest, said Treeform. Follow the vessel commander, Grok. I want to know where he is at all times. Yes, Treeform, said the dwarf as he turned and brought his dwarfs back up the tunnel. Treeform, you will keep me informed of Antobian's condition. Yes, I will, said Treeform. Brady, if you will come with me, I will discuss exactly what we are doing here. Brady followed the enormous renegade across the room as the ground shook toward the side chambers. It was as if he were tracking a bear through Yellowstone as the creature entered the darkened corridor. The rocks were dribbling moisture along the poorly lit tunnel. Sheesh veered to his right through the chamber entrance. It was smaller than the other room, with a map of the planet against the wall. Please be seated, Brady. Even as he sat, he was still over six feet tall. I understand that you Earthmen have first names. I am Blesium Cravia, he said as the translator was not working properly. He hit it against his leg several times. There, can you hear me now? You can just keep calling me Brady, that would be fine, said Brady as a tingling feeling swept over him. He was actually talking to an alien from across the galaxy. I know this experience has been against your will. None of your making, Brady. Let me say, as Antovian has no doubt told you, that we have common goals, despite each other's dissimilar appearance. We must find out the best-kept secret in all of Mergendorf history, and that is the location of the Elders of Borain. That is the key, pure and simple. Thousands from across the planet have already begun movements to solidify their divisions, and when we find the exact location, we will move against it. How can they keep that location secret? People have been there, right? Yes, but travelers to Bahrain are surrounded by energy fields. No one knows where they are taken. Some may never return, but it is certain that those who do return report nothing. They have their memories. Their memories are vacant when it comes to the location of Bahrain. They remember the relevant facts, but not the location. I am suspicious, Sheesh. Of me? No, of these revered ones. Antovian told me his contacts have arranged a meeting with them. Why would they grant such a meeting to strangers? First, the contacts that he spoke of are respected villagers who are, in reality, freeholders, those who want self-determination for the planet. The revered ones have sanctioned a meeting between the contacts' positions. The Renegans seem to be a powerful race. Why don't you just bring your fleet to the Mergendorf? Our fleet is inferior. Mergendorf ships outnumber us in total strength, and the perimeter itself has defenses. There are barriers between the supports, and each station has powerful fluton defenses. Who knows what defenses surround the planet, he said, his eyes a vigorous bright orange. We have been unable for centuries to match their maneuverability, their speed, and their power. We can harass them, but nothing more. 
Remember, the entire perimeter exists for the sole purpose of defending the Valerian principles. They will fight to the death. Maybe in perhaps a thousand years, we could make some headway. A thousand years? Then you can see why we have chosen to infiltrate. This is the policy of my government, to stop the erosion of the planets like this one. Or in another way, your own planet. And your planet is destined to destruction. The war of undoing. Because of Valerian principles. The Murgendorf, trapped in thousands of years of rigid conformity, cannot understand this. How is this conformity enforced? Unlike Renegan, Murgendorf takes its young at one year of age. They begin indoctrination with the memory processor. When all is complete... They are returned to the village and set in their ways. Very, very effective. I'm familiar with that memory processor. There must be somebody who questions, argued Brady. Of course, but they are descended upon by the group and brought to the revered ones and in turn give them another dose of the memory processor. Some are deemed misfits and they never return. Dead? Maybe. Nobody knows. Aside from this, one fact remains. The system must be changed. I do not know how or when it started, or why. I am a renegade, believing in self-determination. I, like my race, are willing to share my knowledge with a developing culture. I respect life more than laws. I have seen the results of Mergendorf in action. Conventional and biological wars. Hundreds of other self-destructive wars. We have been helpless until now. If we are successful, all creatures in the universe can progress together. It is vital for the well-being of one and all. Is it? You sound like a dwarf, said the Renegan. Progress must have guidelines and, most important, leadership. These ingredients do not exist. Progress will run rampant. Certain barriers will not be crossed. I understand what you said Sheesh as Treeform stood in the rear of the room. Yes, Treeform. The dwarf stood silently, apparently saddened. Dantovian, isn't it? said Brady as he stood. What is wrong, Treeform? It is Antovian. Yes, he has died and... What? I said he died. But they have brought him back to life with the Renegan expertise. The Renegan Fleaver is now trying to grow new organs for Antovian. However, he doesn't have the proper facilities. Of course he doesn't, said Sheesh. Even aboard our express flyers, we have minimum facilities. You can grow organs? asked Brady. Yes, of course we can. With the proper cellular structure, what else can you do for Antovia? The revered ones. They have the ancient power, said Trefoam. They can save him. Ancient power? asked Sheesh. They have the power to save life? It has been done in the past. Have you ever known anyone whose life has been saved? demanded Brady. Well, I really haven't. It's a legend, said Brady cynically as he turned to the renegade. We have no choice. He will die anyway. The meeting with the revered ones is only ten hours away. Both sons will be set by then. I want your best men to accompany them, Trefoam. You will bring Brady and Antovia to the learned ones under their new identities. I will tell Brady what he needs to say. Brady slept for a full eight hours, and when he awoke he had a breakfast of sorts, a milky soup with floating vegetables. 
was not the most appetizing delight, being rich and spicy, but it was food. After breakfast, Sheesh informed him about his activities that night. Brady was to assume the name Dorf Sivon, and Antovian would be called Dorf Gazlu. Both were farmers from the valley outside of Wawi. Their appeal was for more land to help the villages and to use a diversified form of grain to do it. The former could be sanctioned by the revered ones, but the latter required the approval of the elders of Volrain. The plan was simple and direct. Find the location of Volrain. Sheesh went over the plan one final time. As Brady listened, he realized he was becoming more accustomed, even secure, in the foreign surroundings. He received the last words from the Renegan and shook his hand. Antovian was carried on a hide stretcher, and Brady followed behind with the other dwarfs to the outside of the woods. The nighttime brought with it a new host of sights. One of the two Mergendorf moons had risen. It was half the size of Earth's moon in a full orange-red. It gave off little light, not nearly as much as the first quarter phase of the larger blue moon just over the silhouetted hills. In total, the moons produced a violet coating over the countryside. The far slope was checked by scouts traveling ahead of the group. They had to be sure the villages were not aware of their presence. And of course, there was always the problem of Grok and his dwarfs. The group passed through the open fields, glens, and back to a tiny brook that reflected the moonlight in its waters. The valley, however, was long, and the scouts interrupted the journey several times as they checked the land ahead. After nearly half an hour of traveling, they were nearing their destination. At the base of a rounded hill were two poles, topped by red urns with flames flickering within. This was the gateway to a wide marble staircase that cut through the forested slope at the top of the hill. No guards, whispered Brady as he looked up at the red moon sitting on top of the hill. Trefoam smiled. The revered ones need no guards. They speak with the power of all rain. When they arrive, it is at their own discretion. Arrive? asked Brady. You will see, said Trefoam as they motioned for the scouts to go up the stairs. Elaborate stairs here on this planet of simplicity? questioned Brady as they began the ascent up the hill. Seems out of place. Do not question now, Brady, said Trefoam as they climbed. These stairs have been here for eons. The climb was tiring for Brady, and he was forced to rest halfway up the stairs. Treeform, however, was adamant and quickly forced him to resume the hike. Brady gritted his teeth as he climbed behind the freeholder leader. At last, they reached the barren summit. It had been cleared back to the beginnings of the slope and covered by one massive slab of marble. Brady had expected an elaborate structure for the learned ones. Rather... He saw a 50-foot-high white-framed cube that was absolutely empty. They stepped onto the slab and Trefoam moved forward. The learned ones will... The learned ones will... What is this? interrupted Brady. All I can see is a hollowed-out cube. We will have to summon the revered ones, said Trefoam. And just how do we summon them? Trefoam opened his mouth and was about to speak, but he was silenced by voices coming up the stairs. Everyone stop! yelled a voice from halfway down. This is Commander Grok speaking. I have flutons. Bring Brady and the dwarf over to the cube now. But what do I say? asked Brady as he crossed the slab. Trefarm ran up to Grok as he hurried up the stairs. You say, Brady, I beckon the course of things to be and choose the elders my course to see, said the leader. Now get over to the cube now. 
Brady ran over to the stretcher, which had been placed inside the empty space. Treeform joined the others in the woods along the slab. Brady could hear Grok yelling, and he looked skyward. You all will stop at my command. You will all be killed by a wide dispersal beam. I beckon the course I beckon the course of what I no. I beckon the course, he said as Grok came over the upper staircase. I beckon the course of things to be, and choose the elders my course to see. Brady, Brady, shouted Grok as he pointed his fluton and fired. The red fluton energy crossed the night air but bounced off the cube. The empty space had been filled with a gold, intense light, swirling like a tornadic storm. Incredibly, the fluton light was reflected backward. Grok and his dwarfs, coming up on the slab, dove to their stomachs to avoid getting hit. I'm afraid we are too late, Commander, said Paris as he reached Grok. No, they have to come out of that cube sometime, Paris, insisted Grok. What about the villagers? asked Paris as he pointed toward the woods. My struggle is not with the villagers, Paris. It is with Brady. And when he comes out of that cube, I will kill him once and for all. Almost instantly, Brady, kneeling next to Antovian, found that he was in another place, perhaps another dimension. The ground extending to the horizon was a stark white. Above them, lighted by an undefined source, was a magenta sky. Stiff breezes whipped back his Dorfian hair and the sheets covering his ailing friend. They seemed so alone. You spoke of the word of the ages, said the creaky voice to his rear. He turned and saw five aged dwarfs, their hair an unbelievable light orange and their faces extremely wrinkled. They wore a flowing blue robe tied at the waist with a red sash. We are the revered ones of Warway. You are Sivon and Gazlu. How did you know? asked Brady as he walked through the wind toward them. We have expected you. Your friend has been injured, asked the dwarf in the center. Yes, you must help him or he'll die. He's been wounded by a freeholder's spear, and I have been told that you have the ancient power to heal him. Does his living aid the virtues of all rain? Brady was silent for a few moments. Inside, he was boiling and wanted to lash out at their disregard for life over the laws. Yes, yes. As you know, we wish a hearing at Volrain if you will allow us to use another sector of land. We want to bring forth another grain to feed the villagers. And this dwarf can help in this effort. Yes, he can. We will save your friend. Your request for land has been sanctioned, and a hearing with the elders has been granted. The revered one on the right stepped forward and waved his hand through the air. The air turned warm and moist, and the area around them beamed very bright. He stepped toward Antovian and ran his fingers along the injured dwarf's back. To Brady's astonishment, a blue electric current of some kind spewed from the learned one's fingers as he moved them from Antovian's back to various other portions of the dwarf's body. When he had finished, he nodded his head and stepped back with the others. Then the space resumed its normal color and humidity. Antovian, still on his stomach, opened his eyes. He rolled over and sat up, not knowing what had happened. He stood and bowed to the revered ones. Long live the elders. I am eternally in your gratitude. You may go back with your friend, Gazlu. We have granted you a hearing with the elders of Oray, said the dwarf in the center. 
in Tovi and attempted to read his mind, but his thoughts became blocked by modulating signals that confused him. He moved back with Brady, who was still flabbergasted by the way they had healed his friend. How did you heal him? You asked strange and unimportant questions, Sivan. He is healed. Is that not enough? Then the elders, said Antovian, they have agreed to hear our request to use the grain. Your request will be heard. We are ready to journey to Volrain, stated Antovian. It shall be done, said the center one as he spoke for the group. You will step on to the Iyao road as the Jandian suns rise tomorrow. You will travel one full day, reaching the river at the forest edge next to the plain of Iyao. Gruckens have been instructed as to your needs. The Gruckens will bring you the rest of the way. You will wear the Dachau, he said as two white bands appeared in their hands. He walked forward and handed the Dachau's to them. You will wear these around your necks until you reach all rain. You may put them on at this time. What happens if we take them off? Asked Brady blatantly as he snapped the Dachau in place. The revered ones, used to strict compliance, were taken aback by his question. What he means, said Antobian, you will be vaporized said the revered one, as Brady's eyes flamed with displeasure. The bands will assure a protective barrier for your safety. Are these words not clear to you? They are clear. We will return you now at this time. What about Grok? asked Brady. Grok? asked Antobian. He and his security dwarfs are right outside the cube. What? Revered ones, we have one final request. Granted. Outside, our enemies have followed us to the top of the hill. Very well. We will allow you 500 steps down the stairway. Antovian smiled graciously. You are both compassionate and wise. May your journey be beneficial to the law of all rain said the center dwarf as he raised both hands into the air. Within the gold, swirling light, Brady and Antovian saw them vanish. Instantly, the two reappeared 500 steps down the staircase on the moonlit side of the hill. They were joined by Treeform and his dwarfs, who had traveled down the hill away from the armed Grok. Grok had been poised next to the frame and ready for them to step through. One of his dwarfs at the top of the stairs had seen the gold light below and ran to his commander. Commander! Commander! They have returned down the steps! A trick! shouted Grok as he took Paris's computer. Yes, you are right. Two life forms. Another's in the woods. Hurry! Fire at my order! Paris looked at his computer and then quickly grabbed Grok's arm. Commander, there are over 40 dwarfs down there. If we fire, we may kill half of them. Word will spread and everything will lead directly to us. Our only course can be pursuit. Let us follow them and bide our time until the opportunity presents itself. Reluctantly, Grok nodded his head in agreement as they rushed toward the stairs. Below, Brady was running next to Antobian. I don't like it. This is too easy. They just let us come down here and then they give us a free ticket to Vorain? I told you, the ones of the village are trusted. The revered ones have no reason 
to doubt their words. Just the same, they aren't stupid. I don't like it. I have an instinct for these things, Antovian. Inside the dimension of the framed cube, the revered ones spoke to each other. We will communicate our thoughts to the elders now, said the healer. We want to know the Earthman's feelings. Yes, we must know that the lore has been set and the illusion awaits its fate. Join us next week as a noble experiment by Robert P. Fitton continues. This has been a production of Fitton Theater of the Words.